What an appropriate, it may not seem it, but when you look at the world around us, when you look at where we're living today, an appropriate message this morning. And uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away. Uh, behold, uh, all things are become new. All, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And we saw in Ephesians, beginning in chapter 1, we saw all of the things that really we had that were new in Christ Jesus. We, we got a new family in verse 5, right? We're children of God. We are joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a heavenly Father, and I'm so thankful for that. And, and uh, we have a new family. We have a new inheritance. You might have an earthly inheritance, but I tell you what, I'm looking forward to an earth, to a eternal inheritance, right, that is incorruptible and that fadeth not away. Talking to a relative just last night, and uh, about all the land they own and what they're going to do with it as they get up in their years and this and that. And I said, well, you know, no matter what you do, it all stays behind. No matter how you work it, somebody else is going to get it <laughs> one of these days, right? But we have an inheritance that is incorruptible in heaven. And I'm looking forward to that. Not only that, but we have a, 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 we have a new, <laughs> let me say it this way, we have a, something new living in us that we didn't have before. We have a, a spirit that's been made alive, right? It was, we are born and dead and dead and trespasses and sins. It was made alive. And uh, after, uh, when the Holy Spirit of God moved into our life and, and revived our spirit, what a miracle that was. Can you even explain how God did that? How God came in and spoke to that dead, that, that dead spirit and made it alive again? I love that. And he, but he also, not only that, but he moved in. We have a divine down payment. We saw in verses 13 through 14 of First Corinthians, I'm sorry, of Ephesians chapter 1. And not only that, it says we have a, 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 we have a down payment, we have an earnest, right, of our, of our inheritance in whom you also trusted, verse 13, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom I also, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so you notice this, it says we are sealed with this Holy Spirit. It is, it is like the king's, it is a king's signet. It is a seal. It is a ring that he would wear that when a, some legal document was made, they'd put a, maybe a wax piece of wax on there and he'd take his, his ring and he would seal that thing shut. It meant it was legal. It meant it was binding. It meant the only one who could open that was the one who had the authority to open that and to read that. And uh, we see over in Revelation, uh, over in Revelation, we see the uh, chapter 5, when John was looking and there was a book that had the seven seals and he, and he wept because it said there was nobody to open the book. There's nobody to open the seals who was worthy to open the seals. And then Jesus stepped up, the only one who was worthy, amen, to open the seals. And he begins one by one opening the seals of the book. And you can see that in Revelation chapter 5. And that seal is, is, is signifying that there has to be somebody worthy to break that seal. And can I tell you this morning, if you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, there's nobody in this planet, there is not Satan, there is nobody that is worthy to break that seal and that covenant and that legal transaction that God has made with you through Jesus Christ. You are secure eternally. And I like what he goes on to say, the third person of the Trinity, the, the third person of the Godhead, made a legal binding transaction when? After belief. 
Not after baptism. Not after catechism. Not after laying on the ground and blabbering in tongues. Not after whatever you want to fill in the blank with. Not after any of that. Works of righteousness which we have done. But after you believe the gospel. What would happen? What is the natural thing after you believe what's told to you? Well, confession. Right? Going to God on your own and saying, you're right, I'm wrong. Uh, I believe Jesus and I need that, right? Uh, belief is, is what is, is the precursor, is what needs to be done for the filling, the indwelling of the Spirit of God. Notice what he says next. He is an earnest. He is a down payment. I like that. We have a legal transaction that assures us today that God will get the possession that he paid for. You know, we are purchased, not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He bought you. He, listen, he purchased us with his own blood. And listen, you know what's going to happen someday? He put a seal upon us. He put the down payment of the Holy Spirit upon us and earnest upon us. There's nobody who could break that seal, who could cancel that legal transaction. And God is letting us know that, listen, you are mine. You are mine I am yours, I put the down payment down, and when are, how are we sealed? Until redemption, until the day of redemption. That, what is that? Until the day we, it is after we die. When we, listen, when we leave this life, right, God gets his, his full possession, and we get what our, is our full possession as well, uh, the realization of everything that we have in Christ. And so the moment that you believe the gospel and called upon the Lord to save you, the Holy Spirit of God moved into your life, into your physical body. Listen, He is there right now, and He will remain there until your body goes into the ground. He's not a force. He's not your conscious. Right? He, he, he is not some weird thing out in, the, out, out, in, out in the ether. Listen, He is a person, and He has an active role to carry out through your life. Absolutely. So I want to look at the subject today. It's in our text in Ephesians chapter 4. And the subject today is grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. There's probably two messages. I don't care who preaches them or how they're preached. There are two messages that are always on the line of convicting. Number one is on prayer in your prayer life. And number two is on the grieving of the Holy Spirit of God and being filled with the Spirit. We struggle there, don't we? We struggle there greatly. I want to look at that this morning. You know, Jesus was indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't that interesting? We've been commanded to walk in the Spirit, right? Galatians 5, 16. He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I like how the focus there is on the positive, not the negative. He doesn't say, don't do this. He says, just walk in the Spirit, and then you won't fulfill the deeds in the flesh. When, well, listen, when we're obedient to the flesh is because we haven't been yielded and obedient to the Spirit of God. And so we see here, we have been commanded to walk in the Spirit. What did I say? We got saved and we're indwelt by the Spirit, but walking in the Spirit is two different things. Everyone's indwelt by the Spirit, if you're saved here this morning, but not everybody is walking in obedience. We saw in, in uh, Sunday school this morning what obedience is, in obedience to the Spirit of God. And, you, you know, it, the Holy Spirit is an evidence of our salvation. 
The Bible says it's by His Spirit whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It is by the Holy Spirit of God that convicts us when we're wrong and convicts us of sin and that teaches us of things to come. And uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is an evidence of salvation. One of them, uh, Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. There's an indwelling spirit. Walking after a spirit, after the spirit, watch, is a life that is walking in obedience. It is a life that is a response to the initiating work of God in our life. The, God initiates. He starts it. He leads us. He guides. He directs. We respond to Him. And so one of the greatest evidences we have of how important this work of the Holy Spirit of God is in our life is really, if you think about it, it's revealed in the earthly life of Jesus Christ. Hey, let me ask you this. How many believe that Jesus was a son of God? Anybody want to raise your hand? You can raise your hand. All right, make sure we get everybody accounted. Okay, good. Let's, let's, let's put a point on the pencil here. How many believe he's very God? Amen. It's the second person of the Godhead. This is where all the cults of the world struggle. They don't struggle. They just reject the deity of Jesus Christ. They'll say he's Michael the archangel. They'll say he's the brother of Satan. They'll say he's just some prophet. They'll say he's just some rabbi. But no, he's not God. It's not what our Bible says. Hey, uh, Hebrews 1.8, uh, where it goes on and where he says, uh, um, <clears throat> Thy throne, O God, the Father is speaking to the Son. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. The Bible says that, that the church of God was purchased, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. God, blood, right? He, he is God, and we know that this morning. And what an interesting thing it is, though, that the second person of the Godhead, when he put on human flesh and lived on this earth, that he needed, when his ministry started, that he was indwelt by the third person of the Godhead. So here you have the second person and the third person indwelling a human body on earth. It's fascinating. If you're thinking this through, you're thinking, so why does Jesus who is God, why did he need the Holy Spirit while he was on earth? Aren't they God? Couldn't he do everything that the Holy Spirit did? Why did he do that? Well, two things. Number one is an example. But number two, you realize every person of the Godhead has a role to play. The Father sent the Son. The Son uh, sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus. Jesus brings us to the Father. Everyone in the Holy in, in the Trinity has a role within the Godhead has a role to play. Not only did they have a role to play in creation, they have a role to play in redemption, and they have a role to play in our life. And so you know what? Uh, Jesus was doing his role in the human body, and the Holy Spirit was doing his at the at the at the at the. Uh, uh, What's that thing called? Baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the baptism? He went to, he went to John and said, I have need to be baptized of thee. And uh, John said, no, no, I, I need to be baptized of you. And Jesus says, oh, no, we need to fulfill all righteousness. 
Why? Because he had the authority to baptize. And Jesus was signifying what John was doing. He was sent of God to do it. And he was validating the ministry of John saying, this is of God. And what did he do? He said, I need to be baptized. In the moment, the day, that time that John baptized him, the Bible says that there is a voice from heaven of the Father that said, this is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And while he was speaking, the Bible says the, the Holy Spirit came down in bodily form as a dove and rested upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Look over at Mark chapter 1. I want to show you this. Mark chapter 1. Look at verse 9. Mark chapter 1 verse 9. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John and Jordan and straightway coming up out of the water he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him and there came a voice from heaven saying thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness and Luke chapter 4 and verse 1 the Bible says being full of the Holy Ghost Jesus was full of of the Holy Ghost. Uh, just a little side extra note here. I, I love it that, that uh, in our Bible, the term Holy Ghost is used. It's interchangeable, ghost, spirit, both things. But it's indicative, the word ghost is indicative of personhood. The Holy Spirit is just not a spirit. He is a, he is a person. He is a person. Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. The third person of the Godhead indwelt him. What does full mean here in that verse? In, in John 4, 1, it means to be filled up, thoroughly permeated with. And that's how we are as well. Jesus was filled with the Spirit of God. He was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. So here we have Jesus, who is an example of the life that God intends us to live, right? 2 Peter 2.21, you need some evidence of it today? Here, listen to this, what Peter says. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Well, oh no, we follow the Lord. We are to follow him. Jesus said, here's the way, walk ye in it. We are to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see here that the role of the Holy Spirit of God in the life of Jesus is the same role the Holy Spirit plays in our life. Let me ask you this. If the second person of the Godhead found it necessary to have the third person of the Godhead and dwell that same body, how important is it for you and I? No, listen. Okay, I'll answer that since maybe you missed it. It is very important. <laughs> Amen. It is very important. Not only are we indwelt by the Spirit of God, but listen, to be led by the Spirit of God, to walk in the Spirit on a day-to-day -day basis. John 16, 13, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. Oh, I love that. Right? He shall not speak of himself. He doesn't ask for doves on the side of churches. He, listen, he doesn't ask for services to pray down the Holy Ghost. He doesn't ask for services. That's not his role. His job, his job is to bring people to Jesus Christ. He, listen, he, he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. 
So I want to show you this morning the role of the Holy Spirit of God. When Jesus told his disciples he would be leaving, he assured them, he assured them that, he, that they would not be without him. Right? They got sad. Remember that? They got a little discouraged. He says, I've got to go away. It's like, what? No, you don't. <laughs> I do. I have to go away. If I don't go away, the comforter can't come. The Holy Spirit can't come. In John 14, 60, he said this. He said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Right? So from the disciples all the way up to us today, right? We do not live this Christian life alone. Amen? The Holy Spirit plays the most vital role in our life. Yeah. Listen to me. Please listen. Don't let, the, don't let the Pentecostals and the Charismatics ruin it for you. The Holy Spirit of God has a vital role in our life. And so many people find themselves living a life of defeat because they don't understand the role of the Spirit of God in your life, in, in our life, and, and we don't live a life walking in the Spirit in a, in a spirit of obedience. Oh, I know there's been some really crazy ideas out there what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. I worked with a guy one time who was of the uh, 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 charismatic persuasion, and uh, he, didn't, he didn't show up to, to work one day, and he got back the next day, and the boss said, this was before cell phones and calling in and all that stuff. He said, where were you yesterday? Oh, on the way to work, the Holy Spirit told me to go to a Bible study. Yeah. The response from the boss was not as religiously bent <laughs> as he probably thought it should have been. He said, no, he didn't, <laughs> in so many words. That's what he said, no, he didn't. I'd have to agree with the guy. No, he didn't. Yeah. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, Jesus called him in John 14, 16, the comforter. The comforter. Yeah. It's the word parakletos. Para means to come alongside. If somebody was a paralegal, right, they come alongside a lawyer and they help them. So he is a parakletos. He's, the, the, the definition of a, of a parakletos is one who is called to one side, one who is called to one's aid, one who pleads another cause uh, as like they would before a judge. And it's a, somebody who uh, uh, suckers and, and, and comforts and assists. This is the role of the Spirit of God in our life. So what is He helping us to do? What is He aiding us to do? What is He comforting us and assisting us to do? Well, it's really simple actually. You know, I could probably just sum it up in one thing, but I'll give you two. Number one, just to live like Christ. Live like Christ. Live like the Lord Jesus. And secondly, you could say it this way, to continue in the work that Jesus started. Not the work of redemption, but the work of calling a lost world to the saving knowledge of Christ. Jesus said what? I come to seek and to save that which is lost. And that is our job today. He's, he, uh, he has been given us, Mark, 
Mark, uh, over Mark uh, 16 or Mark 15. I get those two. Stories. Anyway, go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? Go into all the world, preach the gospel. We've been commanded to go out and to seek and to save that which was lost. And he helps us and he aids us to live like the Lord Jesus Christ and to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. So the next question is, well, how does he do that? How does he help us to live like Christ? I'm going to give you five things here that he helps us to live like the Lord Jesus Christ. The first one is found in John 16, 18. Turn there if you would, please. The book of John. <clears throat> John chapter 16. Would you look at verse 8? The Bible says, But when he is come... He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. One of the works of the Spirit of God in our life is to reprove, to reprove of sin, to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He has a reproving work in our life. He has a work of caution. He has a, a work of don't go there. He has a work of, uh, I wouldn't say that. Uh, hey, you know, this is going to roll around someday. You might want to stop, right? I was getting ready to send something to my brother last night that I thought was quite funny. And as I was, I was getting, I had posted the photo. I'm not, and, uh, and it wasn't anything bad or anything, but per se, but it was just, it wasn't very charitable to, to uh, an individual that we both know. And, uh, and I was getting ready, as I was typing out, there was just something heavy that was saying, don't send that. I'm like, oh, it's funny. <laughs> Delete. Okay. Yeah. Do you know once I did that, that reproving went away? Why? Because there's nothing wrong to reprove after that. Yeah. Actually, there's a little bit of joy. Isn't that weird? Huh. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Now, now all I do is try to figure out a different way to send it. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. No, that's how you, don't get, hey, don't you, that's how you, that's how we think sometimes. Yeah. Everyone time I was praying, asking the Lord about uh, buying a different vehicle, selling one to buy another one. I thought it had too many miles, blah, blah, blah. And, and I got, I was pretty sure that, uh, through various means, through reading the Word of God and pre, I just felt impression that no, the, 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 there was a reproving there that the Lord said no, don't, don't sell or buy anything. And then a few days later, I thought, well, what about trading? <laughs> yeah, I got a wonderful deal to trade. I had a great trade. He didn't reprove that one. And uh, anyway, I'll tell you about that another day. Yeah. Reprove. This is what he does. He reproves us. He does that work inside of us. Why? To help us live like Jesus. Jesus didn't need reproving, friend, right? He didn't need any of that. He's God. Yeah, but this is what, one of the things that he does in our life that the Bible says that he does for us. Number two, the second thing that he does for us, look at verse 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He guides us into truth. 
He guides us into truth. I love that when we're studying the Word of God, when you're reading the Bible, when you're into a, a discussion with somebody, and uh, somebody is saying something really crazy, and you start praying, Lord, I don't, boy, I don't know where to go with this. How, 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 do, we, how, do, we, how do we answer this one? And know what he'll start doing? The Word of God will start coming to your mind, and he'll start, listen, he'll start, he'll start guiding you. He'll start teaching you. He'll start helping you. I'll get to teach later. But he's a guide. He's a guide. No, go here. No, don't go there. Do this. Don't do that. I had a friend of mine tell me he was at an art gallery one time and he was uh, wanting to go upstairs to the, another portion of the gallery. And he goes, I began to walk upstairs and like the Spirit of God was saying, don't go up there. And he goes, I just kept right on trucking along. And I went up there and of course it was all nudes and all of this, uh, you know, awful. He goes, I went back downstairs and I thought, oh, sorry. You know, well, he was guiding. He was guiding, Right. Absolutely. It's like a compass. A compass always points north. Can I tell you what? You know where the compass of the Holy Spirit always points? <laughs> right here. I love it. it always, listen, if he points anywhere else but here, it's, that's not the Holy Spirit of God. We can get into this another day about trying the spirits and see whether they be of God. And uh, Absolutely. But listen, no. He is a compass. He, he is a guide to us. He is always leading us to the Lord Jesus Christ to walk like him and to be like him. I love this quote somebody said. I may not have written it down correctly. It was, I, I, I can't, you know, I have these notes from like 20 and 25 years ago. I don't know where they are, but I remember they're somewhere. And I remember certain things I wrote down. And I wrote this down one day and it was wonderful. And it says, the one who becomes enslaved to the compass will have mastery of the seas. People say, oh, I don't want to be enslaved to anything. I don't want to be, I don't want to be bottled down. Listen, if you're out in the ocean, if you're out in the ships, and you need to get somewhere off that ship safely, right, you better, you better become a slave to that compass. Because it'll, listen, if you do, like the quote says, then you'll have mastery of the sea. Listen, Listen, we need to come to a place of being a slave to the compass. We need to come to a place of being just totally in tuned and dependent upon the Spirit of God. And I'll tell you what, you'll have a lot more freedom in life. Absolutely. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is not enslavement. The Holy Spirit is liberty. He's liberty. People think, oh, what a, what a drudgery of a life that is. Let me ask you something. How's it going for those that don't live that way? How's it going? Do you want their life? Maybe you're living there right now. I don't know. Right? And you said, boy, I wish I'd just listened. Come on. He helps us. He helps us to live like by reproof, by guidance. Thirdly, by teaching. Look at verse 26 over in John 14. 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. If you remember when the, when the, uh, the two disciples, they were walking the road to Emmaus, they were going home. The crucifixion, the, they were in Jerusalem for the, for the Passover and during that Passover time, the, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus happened and here are these two disciples, they had been in Jerusalem for that, they had waited a few days afterwards, and now they're walking home. And the Lord Jesus came up alongside of them and began to talk to them. And he said, what's going on? And it's like, where have you been? Well, do you really want to know? <laughs> so anyway, Jesus, anyway. So three days, three nights, you know, okay. 
And uh, he essentially said, what's going on? And they, they're like, well, he was crucified. This guy we trusted, he's, he's gone. And, and they went on and Jesus began to speak to them. And the Bible says that Jesus began to teach them and, and taught them, it says, beginning with Moses and in the prophets, watch, concerning himself. And here they are on this road, this, uh, these few miles from Jerusalem to, to, to Emmaus, walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't even realize it, but they're walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, God himself, is teaching them from Moses all the way through about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's teaching them about himself. What is he teaching them? Everywhere he is in the Old Testament where they missed him. What, wouldn't that be exciting? I wrote in the top of my Bible one time in that passage, a different Bible I have, not this one. That, I don't know which one it is. I wrote in the top. What, wouldn't that be incredible to have Jesus sit and just talk to you for a while and teach you? Sometimes before I preach, I think, wouldn't it be wonderful to just have Jesus preach this? I'll go sit down. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Can I tell you what the Holy Spirit reminded me, though? He does. It's called the indwelling Spirit of God. He guides us into all truth. Right? Yeah. He is our teacher. No, He's like having the Lord Jesus sit down with us and teach us. So he reproves us, he guides us, he teaches us. Here's something that he gives us, Acts 4.31. He gives us boldness. Acts 4.31, remember John, uh, uh, Peter and John had been preaching uh, there at the synagogue and the man at the gate beautiful had uh, asked for some alms. They said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And what did he do? He got up and he went, you know, walking and leaping and praising God. The little kids like singing that one, right? And, uh, and so the, the, the Pharisees and the re religious rulers came, grabbed him. They didn't like that. Threw him into prison, brought him out the next day and they said, what are you doing? I said, about this, you know, he said, hey, we, you know, it, this is, this is a work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who healed them. And, uh, and so they finally let him go. They said, you can't preach anymore. And Peter said, hey, we've got to obey God rather than man. So they let him go. They went back to the assembly. They went back to the church. They went back to the church house. And the Bible says in verse 31, when they had prayed, the church was together here. They're at Jerusalem. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all Filled with the Holy Ghost. To do what? Were they speaking in tongues? Were they writhing on the floor? Were they barking like a dog? Were they slaying spirits? What was this boldness of the Holy Ghost for? They spake the word of God with boldness. I'll tell you what. You know where we need boldness? Boldness in the word of God. Tell you what, I, I, I ask the Lord when we, when we have opportunity to go out door knocking, Lord, boldness. Boldness with love as the foundation. Some people are bold and mad and angry and, and rude, right? That's not the boldness we're talking about here. But boldness, yeah. So the day that, listen, the day that you turn to Christ, 
The day that you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit moved into your body, into your life with these goals to have you live like Jesus, to help you live like Jesus, to help you think like Jesus, and to help you do the work of Jesus. That's his goal. And on the day of Pentecost, here it was, the church was empowered with the Spirit of God. He indwelt those believers and listened to what was said of Peter and John as they preached the Word of God with boldness. Acts 4.13 Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they had that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them. What? You know this, that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. What a gift that we have been given in the internal work of the Holy Spirit of God. To live like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to work like Jesus, to sound like Jesus. This is the work of the Spirit of God. He's in you today if you're saved. He's in you. He can't leave you. He's the down payment. And his, listen, his desire, his goal, his desire, right? His goal and desire is to make you like Christ and to live like the Lord Jesus. Can I tell you though, there's one thing that calls him off the job. The instruction in Ephesians 4 is to live like Christ. To live like the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit helps us do that, right? He helps us to. Look at verse 20, Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 20. We read this a few weeks ago. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so, it be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus that ye put off, is what you have to do, you, you have to do it, put off concerning the former conversation, that word conversation means lifestyle, put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, your old nature, it died, put that off though, put off the works of that, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So in Ephesians 4, we're told as as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as born again children of God, we're told that now that we're saved, now that we're indwelt by the Spirit of God, we need to put off the old man and put on the new man. We need to put off and put on. So then, which is followed by a list of actions that we are to put off and to put on. We looked at these a while back. So we already know that it's the work of the Holy Spirit to help us to put off and to put on. He can, we have that power within us. We have that ability within us. We have that, 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 that power, Acts 1 8, after you, after, um, after that you have received power, the Holy Ghost shall 
come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the world. That word power there is that word that we get the word dynamite from. And we have that power. We have that power within us. We have that ability within us to live the Christian life. First uh, Peter that it says we've been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We have everything that we need, okay? And we know this. The Spirit of God is holy. He's called the Holy Spirit. He's called the Holy Ghost. We saw Wednesday night that word holy means to be separate, completely apart from us, sinless, unable to dwell among sin. We remember what the Father did at Calvary. He could not look upon sin and he turned his back on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit of God is holy he lives in us. He is our aid. He is our comforter. He is our parakletos. Notice the warning here, though, in our text. There is one thing that can call the Holy Spirit off the job. Not out of your life. Oh, better clarify that one, huh? That'll get out there. Not that he can leave you. We established that. But what keeps him from being active in his work in your life. Would you read verse 30 with me? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Yeah. There's one thing that calls him off. There's one thing that keeps the Holy Spirit from doing his work in your life. When we grieve him. Grieve not. Why? Well it says it again. We're sealed into the day of redemption. What does that mean? He can't leave. He can't leave our body. No the Old Testament he'd come and go. Right? In the Old Testament. You know. Uh, he, he, would, he, he, would, he would leave at times. But uh, we're told here. Not to grieve him. Because he can't leave. So what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit of God? That word grieve means to throw into sorrow. To grieve. To break one's heart. Would you meditate on that just a moment? Listen, when we don't put off the old and put on the new, we throw God into a place of sorrow. We throw God into a place where we have broken His heart. Hmm. Yeah. Can I remind you this morning that we are in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? We are in a love relationship with Him. It should be reciprocal. Maybe I can bring your attention back to James 4, 4, where it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not. That friendship with the world is enmity with God. Do you see what he did? He, watch, watch, God aligned, he, he, he put together infidelity, uh, adulterer and adulteress. He put the worldliness, living car carnally, living like the world, living a life that is not putting off the, the old man and putting on the new man, he has likened it to infidelity within a relationship. 
And he says it breaks his heart. Why? Well, first of all, sin destroys you and me. And he loves us. He absolutely does. It's like watching a child reject your instructions and just choose a life of sin. It breaks your heart. Why? Because you love them. Because they're destroying their life. Yeah. God looks the same way at us. He loves you. If you're, if you're going to doubt the love of God, just look at Calvary again. How can, how can you deny that He loves you? And see, watch, when we choose sin, when we choose to not put off the old and, and to not put on the new, when we choose sin, two things happen. We break the heart of God and we shut down the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Now watch this. The reason why we're supposed to put off the old and to put, off, put on the new is because, like I said, it shuts down the work of the Spirit of God in our life. And listen, we can't live this Christian life without Him. What did Jesus say? Without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Yeah. Grieving of the Spirit of God. We can't accomplish what God intends us to accomplish without Him. Yeah. So we're told here in the middle of this, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. command it's a command it's followed through these next two verses let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you what do we have here we have a list of things that grieves the spirit and as we're told over in 1 Thessalonians to quench not the spirit what does it mean when we quench the Spirit? We shut down His work in our life. He clocks out. No, we clock out. He doesn't clock out. I like what Roy Hessen, how Roy Hessen placed it. He said, what, every time we sin, we put a veil between us and the Holy Spirit. It may start out thin like these, like these on, our, on our windows, and you can still see through them, right? But you can't see real clear, but you can see through them pretty well. You can still see the dirt and the grass and the gas pumps over there. And that way, I mean, you can see through them and look over there, it's a little better, right? But watch, as you sin upon sin upon sin upon sin, that, that sheer curtain gets thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker. It gets to a place, watch, where it can become a wall. It can get to a place in the life of a believer where it becomes like a brick wall. You ever said, talking to them is just like talking to a brick wall. So the Holy Spirit of God says, when we've quenched Him and grieved Him, watch, because we've not, listen, we have, not, we have allowed the things that are an offense to God, we've allowed them to remain in our life. We've built up a wall and now He can't do His work through us like he wants to do. Yeah. <clears throat> See, if we're going to allow known sin in our life, you're breaking the heart of the one who loves you and gave himself for you. 
Do you know God wants us to live in victory? Do you know God wants us to have the abundant life? Do you know God wants us to live a life of joy and peace? Do you know He wants us to reach the world with the gospel? Do you know He wants to use us? And none of it's possible without the active work of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. It just won't happen. So we're told here this morning, grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Don't grieve Him. Maybe there's something in your life that the Spirit of God has been putting his finger on an area of, let's just call it this way, an area of disobedience. I'm not going to list things. I don't mind lists, but I'm not going to do that today. We have a good list right in our text. Maybe there's still an area of disobedience in your life. Even the word, hey, listen, another Christian may look at it and go, that? That's silly. It doesn't matter. What, if you, what you think about it, what anybody else thinks about it, what is a holy God who knows all, what does he think about it? Right? Maybe there's something in your life that you haven't been putting off that the Spirit of God has been saying, would you put that off? Would you put it off? Can I tell you? Would you do it today? Listen, today, would you put it off today? Would you choose today to obey the Spirit of God? Whatever it is, whatever is building a wall between you and Him, whatever is keeping Him from working like He desires to work, you say, well, I I feel like I'm doing pretty good right now. Do you really think God wants to leave you in a place static? Do you really think you've come to know it all? Do you really think you've come to know all there is to know of the Lord Jesus Christ in this life? Do you really think you've come to a pinnacle where, where, I mean, there's no more further for you to go I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. We should never be satisfied where we are. Yeah. So whatever it is today, the question I have for you, are you grieving the Spirit of God? Because you've quenched Him somewhere where He's been trying to work and you've said no. We're commanded here, don't do that. Don't do that. Why? God deserves every ounce of our life. You know, I, I use the word correctly, deserves. He deserves. I know in this life we don't deserve anything. Right? We deserve hell. I know that. But He deserves every ounce of our life. Are you quenching Him somewhere? Maybe you're not. Could I encourage you? to stay strong and be alert and awake, to continue a life of putting off and putting on, however the Lord directs. Let's make sure we're a people that walk in the Spirit, that walk in the Spirit, and that we don't grieve the Spirit of God. Father, Lord, thank You. We just ask for the work of Your Spirit here right now. In each individual life, maybe there's somewhere, it might be something as what we might think is silly and insignificant and inconsequential. That matters not. Lord, maybe you've directed somebody somewhere through your word and something in their life that they need to 
be put, that they need to put on or they need to put off. And maybe there's somebody that hasn't done it. And they're grieving you. We pray, Father, today, Lord, that you would help us. That when you point those things out to us, that we'd be quick to agree with you and to put those things off, that we could get that wall taken down, that curtain taken down, and that we could live a life walking in the Spirit. Would you help us to do that today in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's stand this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The instrument's going to play. I want to ask you this morning. Nobody's looking around, but maybe you could just acknowledge with a raised hand. You know, the Spirit of God has been impressing me with something. I don't quite understand it through the preaching and this and that. There's just something that I've known. Maybe I've known it for a long time that I need to put off. And I'm quenching the Spirit of God. Is that you today? Maybe you'd raise a hand and say, you know what? There is. You might... There's something. Yeah. You might say, people might even think I'm silly, that it just seems like it's not even a big deal. It's, it just, compared to what's going on in the world, like why would somebody be worried about that? Hey, no, what does God want? What does God want? Is there anything like that? People are praying. You come today. The Lord has put something upon your heart. An area of obedience that you need to surrender and submit and yield to Him and say yes. He has been moving you in a certain direction and you've not wanted to say yes and you need to today. Do it today. Do it today. Maybe there's some sin in your life that's been hanging on there that today you need to put it aside and put it off and, and put on righteousness. Whatever it is, listen, you don't want the Spirit of God quenched in your life and grieved in your life. You don't want that. Maybe it's a thing, maybe it's an action, maybe it's a thought, maybe it's a hard attitude, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's unforgiveness, whatever it is, whatever it is, put it off today. We're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer this morning. Six o'clock tonight, Lord willing, we will be back in the book of Matthew. And uh, looking forward to that. So, All right. Have a great afternoon. Relax. Take a nap. And if you can't take a nap, buy a nap. Right. So, praise the Lord. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Brother Earl, would you close us in prayer this morning?